When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. What president had never voted in an election until he ran for president? <laughs> That's just sad. When is was or will be the longest day on Earth. <laughs> and how do astronauts vote from space? Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and have some fun with trivia. Well, we are in election season, presidential election season, and I've got a number of questions about U.S. presidents today. I, I got one or two. Do you? Okay. Uh -huh. Do you want to answer my first one? What president had never voted in an election oh, until that. he ran for president? Yeah, well, that would be fodder for... Cable news. That would be today, <laughs> wouldn't it? It's like, this guy hasn't even voted. Oh, what kind of thing is he? Yeah. Okay, I'll just have to take a stab here. Uh, can you give me any kind of clue? Maybe what century? 19th century. He was a war hero. Okay. That might have it been why he... Grant, was no, it wasn't Grant, No, it wasn't Grant. No, Grant had voted. Okay, I don't know. It was Zachary Taylor. Zach! Zachary Taylor was a Mexican war hero who served in the Army for more than 40 years, and that's before he went into politics, and he never voted in an election until he was nominated for president. But, but back in those days, his lack of political ties and his fame as a war hero made him an ideal candidate. So both political parties at the time courted him, the Whigs and the Democrats, and the Whigs won. They got him to work for them 
even though they had voted against the Mexican War years earlier. Yeah, well, see, if if only he knew he couldn't vote while he was in the military today, he could vote from the moon. Well, there we go. We'll <laughs> Isn't get that to, one of your questions? Th- that's coming up. Anyway, okay. Taylor won the election of 1848. Now, since that election, every president has either been a Democrat or a Republican since, since 1848. Then, wow. we need more parties. Yeah. Man. And the 1848 contest was also the first presidential election to take place on the same day in every state, and the first one on a Tuesday. Huh. So well, that's a lot of Very firsts. significant. And the guy who voted in it and won had never voted for anybody that's, before. That's, that's interesting Zachary info, Taylor. Bob. Yeah. But so is this. Okay. When is, was, or will be <laughs> the longest day on Earth? When is, was, or will be the yeah, longest day Yeah, I didn't want to give it away with my... Yeah, yeah, so you're not going to give me any clues, apparently. Well, just pick a day. When is, <laughs> okay, tomorrow. How's that? Close. Really? Yes. Okay. The longest day on Earth is always today. What? It does seem that way. <laughs> Only during COVID. Okay. Okay, and this is from the Guinness Book of World Records. The tidal bulges in Earth's oceans caused by the gravitational effect of the moon are gradually transferring momentum from Earth's rotation to the moon's orbit. Hmm. And as a result, Earth's rotation is slowing by around 0.0018 second per century. (laughs) Per century? Well, then you divide that up by 100 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's just barely getting slower. And each day... It's a tiny bit longer than the day before. Okay. Therefore, the longest day on Earth is always today. Well, there's, that's a great scientific explanation. And that's from the most recent Guinness Book of World Records. Correct. 2021. <laughs> All right. Hat off the press. Oh, wait a minute. I think we just lost another moment of time. <laughs> All right, I've got a question for you. Yes. And I had never thought about this, but I saw this on uh, one of my favorite sites, uh, Mental Floss, had this item. How do astronauts vote from space? Well, that just happened. Uh, uh, Lady, what's her name up there? Lady, Kate Rubens. Kate Rubens. Kate, uh, my close personal friend so Kate is up there. So how did she officially cast her did vote? Did I pay attention to what they said? She, oh gosh, how did they do it? And it's only happened a couple of times where yeah, there have been astronauts up there. she transmitted her result, and she t- was able to do it privately. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they did that. Okay, tell me. This is from an article by Ellen Gatoski. She says that... Astronaut Kate Rubens officially cast her vote from a makeshift voting booth aboard the International (laughs) Space Station. And as much as we'd like to believe her ballot came back to Earth in a tiny rocket, (laughs) the actual transmission was uh, basically it got sent to her county clerk as a PDF. Oh, I love it. Isn't that great? Yes. So apparently... Why can't they do this in Poughkeepsie and get it right? I don't know. And she isn't the first one to vote from space. This actually is a result of some legislation from the state of Texas. Now, why the state of well, Texas? Well, that's where uh, Mission Control was. That's where more astronauts live oh, than course. anywhere else in the country. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of test places down there. So what happened is 24 years ago in 1996, John Blaha, who was an astronaut, he missed out on voting in the general election because his space flight to Russia's space station Mir began in September before the absentee voters received their ballot. So NASA worked with the Texas government officials to pass a law allowing the astronauts to cast their ballots from space. And David Wolf, 
was the first astronaut to do that. That was in 1997. Speaking of space, yeah. as you know, Mars rovers have always fascinated me. Rovers. Those crawling devices, yeah. uh, crawling vehicles, right? With a life expectancy of 90 days, the rover opportunity lasted on power for how long? Okay, I remember this because this went on for like two or three years. It, went, it? it was launched in 2004. It went on for three years. 14 years oh my and God. 136 days. Doesn't that show you how fast time flies? Amazing. From, yeah, I thought it was a few years too. From 2004 to 2018. In 2018, a planet-wide dust storm sent it into irrecoverable sleep state. Mm-hmm. It was just too much dust to blow off its solar-powered instruments. Yeah. But they did, had no idea it would go on for so long. It's wonderful. Yeah, it is. Okay, I've got a couple questions on presidents here. I want to ask you a quick one here. Who is the only U.S. president to have run a marathon? <laughs> well, it wasn't Taft. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about him before. Roly-poly, roly-poly. Yeah. All right, run a marathon. Well, marathons are relatively modern. Yeah. So I'll say George Bush the Younger. Yes, George W. Bush. Really? Yeah, in 1993. Now, he actually ran it two years before he became the governor of Texas. Uh Uh-huh, but still. But he did. He ran the Houston Marathon. He finished with a time of three hours, 44 minutes, 52 seconds. He's the only president to ever run a marathon. Good for me. I did remember, I recalled from my deep recesses of my brain that he was uh, always ran every morning when we he always, was president. That's right, because he ran with the Secret Service yeah, and yeah. he ran with members of the military. Yeah. And then after he became ex-president, ran with disabled members of the military. That who had so cool. Uh, and then he painted in, them. That's right. And <laughs> then he painted them. Okay. Mm-hmm. What U.S. president became a congressman after serving as president? Now, that seems like a bring down, doesn't it? You ran the country. Now you're going to be a congressman. Well, I think that's why, especially if you're young. Mm-hmm. Not too old. Um, so what century again are we talking? This is the 19th century. A famous name, although this president himself was not necessarily considered a great president, but a famous name. His father had been president. president. His father, well, then we're talking, um, oh, let's see. That was How about the Adams, Adams family? family? Yeah, da, I was going to say, he was early. Well, no, I guess the early 1900s, of course. Well, John Adams was yeah. the president in the early 1900s. Yeah, yeah it's uh, Quincy, eight, right? Yeah, the answer is John Quincy Adams, who was the son of uh, John Adams. Yes. Now, he had served as a diplomat in Europe and then as a senator before he was elected in 1824. He served one term as president, so he went away for four years. Then in 1831, he returned to Washington to serve 17 years in the House of Representatives. And he actually was in public service to the very end of his life. Good for him. In his 17th year in Congress, he suffered a stroke, collapsed on the floor of the House, and died two days later. So he was really devoted to public service. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I knew that answer. It just couldn't jump in Ah, too bad, Marsh. (laughs) Okay, you got a presidential question? How many presidents have died in office? Oh, how many presidents have died in office? And I'm thinking of assassinations, but there may have been. All right, I'd say, one, two, three, five presidents died in office. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, Garfield, McKinley, Roosevelt, who was not assassinated, and uh, JFK. That's it. (laughs) I got it right. No. Oh. You're short by three. Oh, really? Yeah. In order, they were William Henry Harrison. Oh, that's right. Pneumonia. He died after about a month in office, right? Yeah, pneumonia. He gave his speech outside and got a head cold, yeah. and down he went. Zachary Taylor, heat stroke. Abraham Lincoln, assassinated. James Garfield, assassinated. William McKinley, assassinated. Bad, bad streak there for mm-hmm. presidents. Warren mm-hmm. G. Harding, 
suspected heart attack, but there's a fair amount of talk about his wife probably poisoned him. You know, I didn't know Harding died in office. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, he did. And she had him (laughs) denied any autopsy and had him buried immediately. Really? Yeah, and there was some very big uh, suspicion that she killed him. But FDR, cerebral hemorrhage, and JFK assassinated. So there were eight that died in office while serving. Well, there were some surprises there. That was a good question. Well, thanks, Bob. Okay, well, I have a good question (laughs) for you. You know, as the election nears, everybody talks about the popular vote and then the Electoral College. And you have to win the Electoral College. It's kind of an arcane thing, but it was put in there for various purposes, one of which is make sure the smaller states get the president to visit. Yes, yes. What U.S. president won the popular vote three times but only served two terms? I didn't know this until I went down a Wikipedia rat hole last night. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Well? What U.S. president won the popular vote three times but only served two terms? Two terms. Well, was it somebody that took over for somebody who uh, died in office? No? No. Uh, Tell me. Grover Cleveland. Grover. Yeah. Ah. He won the popular (laughs) vote and the Electoral College in 1884. Four years later, when he ran for re-election, he won the popular vote, but he lost the Electoral College. So he went back to private life. He came back again in 1892 and again won both the Popular and Electoral College. So that's how Grover Cleveland became the U.S. president who won the popular vote three times but only served two terms. And he's also the only U.S. president with what? Two numbers. He was president number 22 and 24. That's right. That's right. He had uh, There was he a term took off. somebody yeah. in there bet- yeah. between him. Yeah. yeah. All right. I got one more presidential question. Okay. Then I have a first lady question. Yay. <laughs> This is cringeworthy. Okay. <laughs> what president, while in office, married his adopted daughter? <laughs> I think we're talking about the same person. Really? Grover Cleveland? Yeah. Well, I didn't know she was his adopted daughter. It's a technicality. It wasn't a technicality. He adopted her at 11. I'll yeah. tell you what I have first, and then you can okay. pontificate. All right. All right. She was 27 years his junior. Grover married Francis, that was her name, whom he had adopted at age 11, she was his law partner's daughter. Mm -hmm. She still had her mother, so he took over helping the mother raise her. When he announced his wedding, that he was going to be married, everyone thought he was marrying the girl's mother. (laughs) (laughs) The widow. Yeah. Marrying the widow. Young blood, young blood. That's where I'm going. Okay, what was it you wanted to add to my fascinating Okay, number one, he was a bachelor at the time. He'd been a bachelor all this time. Number two, she was only 21 when he married her. She was the youngest first lady ever, 21 years old. And they 21? Were, yeah. They were wed in the White House, so she's the only first lady who was married in the executive mansion. And even though there was almost 30 years difference, there was really no controversy there. The public thought she was great. Oh, he's our bachelor president is getting married to this young woman. Now, you mentioned the, uh, the thing that could have been very controversial, but it wasn't for some reason. The fact that she was the daughter of his best friend, Oscar Folsom. Folsom died when his daughter was a young woman, and Cleveland became the executor of his estate. So that's how he kind of became her legal guardian. So technically, he legally supervised her education. But they didn't meet until she was a college student. She came to the White House, and she met him there when she was a college student. So okay. it's only about a year or two before she married him. Mm-hmm. They fell in love. And because Grover Cleveland served two non-consecutive terms as president, Frances is also the only first lady who has what? Two numbers. She was first lady number 22 and 24. 
Huh. So she has several big distinctions. Youngest first lady, only first lady married in the White House, only woman to be first lady twice as the <laughs> wife of presidents 22 and 24. Her name was Frances Folsom. That was her name. We both had the question about Grover Cleveland and his wife uh, at the same time. What are the chances of that? <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's time for a break now. Okay. All right. Uh, you're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back and you're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. Okay, Bob, what planet? You can see I was very caught up in the solar system this, this week. You were, I'm anchored to the ground, and you're looking at the solar system. <laughs> you're trying last, to escape gravity. This <laughs> is the last uh, question on that. What planet has the shortest day? What planet has the shortest day? I would say uh, Mercury, because it's the closest to uh, the sun, so it rotates around it faster. Yeah, that makes sense. But no, Jupiter. Really? It spins on its axis every nine hours and 55 minutes, making a day on Jupiter less than half of a day on Earth. Wow, mm-hmm. think how many uh, days you could require people to work if they're on Jupiter. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a little different <laughs> than Earth. Uh, every month you'll be working 90 days. You know. <laughs> Another couple president questions That's fine. Here. Who is the first U.S. president to write a biography of another U.S. president? Huh. 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 I'll say, well, was it, a- was it after he was out of office? Yes, and here's another clue. He was an author before he was president. He wrote a number of well, books. Well, it wasn't FDR because he didn't make it out of office. Right. He was, it was um, before FDR. Okay. It was immediately before FDR. Who well, was immediately before FDR? Well, you know. You know. Don't nod at me. <laughs> tell me a name. I know who. Who? You, you tell him. You, t- you speak Herb? better. Herb? Herb Cole. Herbert Her- Hoover. Herbert Hoover. Oh, <laughs> Herbert Hoover was an engineer, a, a, a mining engineer, but he also had written a number of books. God, I forgot all about him. And after leaving the presidency, he continued writing, and one of his books was The Ordeal of Woodrow Wilson, and that's the first biography of a president written by another president. Well, let's get out of the presidential cabinet and into the kitchen cabinet. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's the kitchen cabinet? <laughs> How's cam- that for transition? That's good. This famous kitchen product had sales in the dumpster for the last five or six years, Bob. The company has literally been on life support until now. Because of the COVID pandemic, its last third quarter profits more than quadrupled. Wow. What is this product? Is it a food product? No. Is it a utensil, some type no. of device you use? It's not a. It's not a utensil. A, an appliance. No. Okay. Is it a? It's not an ingredient in no. food or not a food ingredient. No. So like there are plates in the in the cabinet. Yes, I can give you a hint that okay. will take would you right be nice. to it. Okay. This is a famous product. Okay. And yeah. Probably in every kitchen, and it's not sold in stores. Okay. It's not sold in stores, huh. but it's in every kitchen. It might be now, but it didn't used to be anyway. Okay. There's no way I know what this is. Oh, you give up. It was sold at home parties. Oh, Tupperware. That's it. I see, because they. I think that brand is gone now, isn't it? Or no, did... they were almost gone, but oh, now no. their sales have quadrupled. Wow. People are cooking again, and they're saving the leftovers, and it's a whole new world for Tupperware. I'll be darned. Because Tupperware was a big success in the 50s and 60s with the Tupperware parties yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, ready? Yeah. Okay, I've got a musical question now. Oh. Okay. 
You know, forget about the presidential questions, a musical question. Okay. Ready for that? Yeah. Okay, what president played five different <laughs> instruments? I, I, I saw that coming, Bob. <laughs> I saw it coming. Ooh, I'm trying to think. And this was a president in your lifetime. My lifetime, so the last Not necessarily mine, years, but... Sir. Oh, no, it's both of our lifetimes, yeah. <laughs> okay, well... Um, you won't believe it. No? Who is the Richard president? Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, that's oh, right. Oh, really? Yeah. His mother encouraged him to play piano at an early age, and he did. And he went on to learn violin, uh-huh. clarinet, saxophone, and accordion. He even wrote music. And in 1961, he performed a song he wrote on the Jack Parr program. I'll be darned. Yeah, really? so that's oh. that's kind of a potential question there. What U.S. president played one of his own songs on a TV show? Uh-huh. You know, that's even more obscure. That's interesting. Ha! Huh. No, I had no idea. Okay, Bob, how deep? is the deepest hole man has ever bored into the earth. Deep is the deepest hole. In feet or miles. Okay, I think I read about this. The Russians did it. Am I right about that? Yes. And it seems to me it was like two miles deep, two and a half miles deep, which is amazing to drill that deep into the earth. It is amazing, but not as amazing as seven and a half miles. Seven and a half miles. Yeah, and it took... Guess how long to do it? I don't know. 19 years. Holy cow. Uh, but the Russians stopped boring uh, this hole because, uh, frankly, they got tired, I think. They got I don't bored. Know. <laughs> I think yeah. they got bored. Well, it was 350 degrees down there and higher in uh, different places. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Wow. And uh, then they somebody put a microphone down there and they heard deep rumbling sounds. <laughs> got pretty scary. <laughs> you know, I think that's where I saw this. It was one of those amazing stories, you mm-hmm. know, TV things. So mm-hmm. so there's this uh, rumors that they heard something that they needed to just seal up it the was hole. Hell. 1965 to 1995, seven and a half miles, 40,230 feet deep. And I don't know what the point was, but uh, you know, the uh, there's no plans anyone has to make it to the journey to the center of the earth. That would be 1,802 miles below the surface, which is solid iron down there and has zero gravity. So that means when you get down there, you start coming back up. <laughs> wow. Yes. So nobody can go to the even the center. Interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. You ready for another presidential oh, question? Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm delirious. <laughs> okay. This is, you're a football fan, so listen I to am. this. Listen I up am. here. What U.S. president was a star college football player who turned down offers from the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers? Oh, my God. Your favorite team. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, cheese head. Uh, <laughs> well, it was either... Ronald Reagan or Gerald Ford? It was Gerald Ford. Okay. Yeah, he was a star football player at the University of Michigan. Uh, They won national titles in 1932 and 33, which were his sophomore and his junior years. And after graduation, he turned down offers to play for both the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, gosh. You know what he did? What? He accepted a job as a coach at Yale University. Why? Because he wanted to go to law school. Oh, Good so for they're him. pretty smart, you know, he that he did it smart. that way. He, you know, they always made fun of him for being clumsy, especially on Saturday Night Live. It was funny, but it wasn't anywhere near true. He no, was an amazing athlete. Amazing athlete, very coordinated person. Yeah. He was also a model in, yeah. as a young man. He I, and Ronald Reagan were both models or did yeah, model at times. Yeah. All right. Okay, now this fascinated me. But is it political, Marcia? Is it, <laughs> are we, have it's, I done too many presidential questions today? I think today? so, but okay. can you die? By sinking or drowning in quicksand. Well, that was always the uh, that was always the story in those movies no, we watched as kids, God, wasn't it? Was it was my biggest fear, Bob. I did too. I, oh, I had 
dreams about dying. There was in those Tarzan movies. Is that what it was? Somebody always, always died, died in the quicksand. And you see their little face going yeah, down. Yeah, you see oh, a, there's hand. a hat there, a hand, and then oh, a hat, the, yeah. and they're gone. And the fingers are up. I had dreams about that as oh, a kid I did. too. I, every time I went into the woods for a hike or something, I was afraid of quicksand. <laughs> so what's the answer? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I'd say the answer is yes. You can drown. No, you'll actually suffocate. Well, that's a form of drowning. Well, what's the answer, Marsh? The truth is, Bob, it's impossible to die in quicksand. Really? Uh-huh. Because quicksand is more dense than the human body. So you won't sink in past your waist, no matter how big or light you are. Uh, unless you just stick your face and breathe into it or something, you know. But just accidental drowning or sinking, you won't. Human density is half the density of quicksand. Huh. Who, who knew? I didn't know. And how do you get out? You slowly spread your legs so you're suspended down there. You know, even if it's 20 feet of quicksand, you won't go past your waist. Huh. So you spread your legs uh, out uh, and then... Uh, Try to bring them towards the surface, and then carefully make your way back to firmer ground. I'll be darned. Who knew? Well, apparently the script writers of those movies we they saw didn't, didn't know. know. I mean it. All those I terrifying. thought that was certain death. Oh. Hey, you're gone. Yeah. And they can't pull you out because, they oh, they always let go of the person. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Sand over their face, and then they're, <laughs> and then they're gone. <laughs> kind of like Alien. Question, Bob? Is uh, there a question oh, in question. that? Oh, question, yes. Histrionics? Uh, okay, one more. Two more questions. Three presidents have died on July 4th. Can you name them? Two, I know. And two were? Uh, Adams and uh, um, uh, uh, Thomas fr- Jefferson. His frenemy. His frenemy. Yes, yeah. Thomas Jefferson. They died within hours of each other. On the 4th of and, July. Yeah, and they were each trying to outlive each other. I always found that fascinating. On the 50th anniversary of 1776, another amazing thing. Yes, and there was another one. I read that. Sometime in my life, and I can't remember. Who. James Monroe, who uh-huh. was also an early president. Yeah, but he, was he was he he wasn't one of the founding fathers. No, was but he, he was uh, involved in some very early things. For instance, he was a, a diplomat and helped to negotiate the Louisiana Purchase for Thomas Jefferson. So you know that three presidents have died on July Fourth. Only one president was born on the Fourth of July. Who is that? Born on the Fourth. This is. I'll give you a hint. Ronald Reagan's favorite president. Everybody else had favorite presidents like Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson or George Washington. And he yeah. liked somebody who didn't talk very much. Silent. Silent. Silent Cal. Cal. Calvin Coolidge? Calvin Coolidge. That was Ronald Reagan's favorite. What do That's you right. like about Calvin? Because he didn't talk much, I guess. <laughs> anyway, Calvin Coolidge is the only U.S. president who was born on the 4th of July. I'll be down. Shiver me timbers. And one final question of presidents. <laughs> I did all this research. Okay. I need to use these. <laughs> what president loved golf so much he actually had black golf balls made so he could play in the winter? That was Eisenhower. No. No? JFK? No. Play in the winter. 20th century, but early 20th century. You never think about him golfing. Okay, who? Woodrow Wilson. Woody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He enjoyed daily rounds to stay in shape and relax, especially during World War I, and he even used black golf balls so he could play through the winter. I'll be darned. That's, uh, that's very cool. <laughs> Resourceful, right. yes. Should I have a last question here? Absolutely, Marsh. Absolutely. I actually have two. When given a new pen, Bob, mm-hmm. to test, 
What do 97% of the people write? They write their own name. That's correct. <laughs> I thought I'd give you one. Look, I was thinking of the Constitution. I always but, remember girls in school, like yeah, grade school, yeah. they'd always find yeah. a boy they like. Yeah, and they'd, and they'd put, write his name. And then their names combined. Yes. Mrs. Mrs. Jerry Bornheimer or something. That was okay. your boyfriend. What was his name? No, I changed the name. This goes out to millions of people, Bob. Okay. I don't, so I don't want to embarrass him. We don't want to him. embarrass Gary Bornheimer. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Did I? Did I? do that? Okay. It was so brief, Bob. Okay. He dumped me really fast. Now, what grade was this? Uh, a freshman in high school. Oh, okay. Okay. Do we dream in real time, Bob? No. No, we don't. We dream in dream time. <laughs> and I, what, what is what dream time? What kind of an time? answer is that? Oh, I, I would don't... imagine it's a condensed period of time because so many different things have in your dreams and you go in different yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. You would think so, but no. Uh, we do dream in real time. Really? Despite the myths of split-second dreams, because sometimes you think, oh, that was, you know, half of a second or whatever. But they can easily, dreams can easily go 20, 30, or even 60 minutes. Wow. Es- especially as the night progresses. They may be only a couple of minutes long at the beginning of the night. By a, at the end, you know, you can have, um, uh, you know, full Technicolor movies going there. Well, I've had Technicolor dreams, and I've had... Dreams with credits at the end and theme music. <laughs> Honest to God. Uh, the theme music goes up and there are the credits, my friends' names up on wow. the screen. And I have dreams that I'm directing all the time. Oh, you're directing my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Well, there you go. We're oh. on the same page. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I can end with a couple of quick good quotes. Okay. All right. Uh, this is Evan Essar. A red nose is usually caused by too much sunshine or too much moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's what I was thinking, the first one. Oh, that's funny. And uh, finally, Hyman Satchel, who we were just talking about this morning. We were? No. Happiness is not having what you want, but wanting what you have. That is a truism in life. And if you can be satisfied with what you've got, even if you would like something else, you're a happy person. That's correct. We hope you've been happy, and we're happy you joined us today. <laughs> I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us again next time on The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.